So he goes to the Holy Land one, one time with his wife, and uh, he is, it's a beautiful night. They're staying right on the Sea of Galilee in a place called Tiberias. It's a beautiful, beautiful evening. The weather's nice. The sea is calm. And he decides that it would be very romantic. It would be a very nice romantic thing to take his wife down for a boat ride out on the Sea of Galilee. So that's what he does. They walk arm in arm down to the pier, and they see a man with a rowboat. And they say to the man in the rowboat, he says, Sir, how much would it be for a ride out on the Sea of Galilee? The man looks Twain up and down, sees him in his white, trademark white suit with white Texas hat, and he assumes that Twain is a rancher, a, a rich, wealthy rancher from Texas. He says, well, I would say it'd be about $25. Mark Twain looks at the man and says, thank you very much. Takes his wife by the arm, turns and walks away. And he was heard to loudly exclaim, now I know why Jesus walked. (laughs) Ever the humorist. Um, We're talking about taking a walk today. We're talking about taking a walk of faith. We've been studying a new sermon series that started a couple weeks ago called Leap. It's all about having faith and about stories of great faith and sometimes not so great faith from the Bible. We talked uh, last week about how Abraham uh, was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, out of faithful obedience to God. And God, of course, stepped in at the last moment and said, you don't, you don't have to sacrifice your son Isaac uh, and provided a, a sacrificial ram instead. Today, we're talking about a very well-known story. People, uh, many, many people have heard the story about Peter walking on the water. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, we are talking about how Peter and Jesus walked on the water together as we talk about taking a walk of faith. Now, Peter's story of faith in this passage is a story of great faith, but it's also a story of not-so-great faith. He faltered. He fell. And we're going to see how, not only how we can have faith enough to get out of a boat, but we're also going to talk about how Jesus picks us up when our faith is not so great. So we'll talk about that for a little while. If you have a Bible, if you can locate one, if you can grab a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. We're going to first examine the background of this story, and we're going to see what was going on in Jesus' life and in the life of the disciples as we talk about taking a walk of faith. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 14, we read the story of how Jesus' relative, John the Baptist, was beheaded. When Jesus catches word of of his uh, relative, John the Baptist, dying, he is obviously saddened. And the Bible says that he withdrew uh, by boat privately to a solitary place in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he was obviously saddened and he goes to a, a place to be by himself by boat. The crowds discover that Jesus is nearby. Whenever Jesus shows up, people come and flock to him. There's got to be a church growth principle in there somewhere. When Jesus shows up, people flock to him. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, uh, the people come to Jesus. Now remember, he is saddened. He is heartbroken. His relative, John the Baptist, who's just a few months uh, older than him, uh, has been beheaded because he stood up for what was right. And... The crowds just swarm Jesus. And what does he do? 
The Bible says he had compassion on them. He hurt for them. He loved them and he healed their sick. He stepped outside of himself. He stepped beyond his own sorrow and his own sadness. And he had compassion on the crowds and he healed them. So after a long day of healing and touching people and and impacting people's lives, there's a huge crowd around him. Uh, Matthew says there were about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So you got 5,000 men and and all these people, maybe 15 to 20,000 people all together, all around Jesus, just wanting to catch sight of him, just wanting to touch him, wanting to be touched by him. And it's getting late in the day. And the disciples say to Jesus, Send these people away into the towns, into the villages, so that they can buy food. Because they're hungry. It's been a long day. I'm sure the disciples are thinking, I'd like to go get some food. Isn't there like a McDonald's around here somewhere? So, Jesus says, you feed them. What? All we have are five little loaves, five little barley loaves of bread and two fish. It was a pauper's lunch. They, uh, what are we supposed to do with this? Tell the people to sit down. Jesus takes the food. He gives thanks. And then he starts dividing it. And he gives it to his disciples to feed the people. And everyone is filled. Everyone is satisfied. And the disciples go around afterwards and they pick up 12 basketfuls. Ever, ever wonder what they did with the leftovers? I, 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 that's just a, a genuine question. I wonder why nobody in the Bible records what they did with all the leftovers. But we know that there were 12 basketfuls left over. So the crowds, according to John chapter 6, where the story is also told, says the crowds were so excited by the miracle that they wanted to seize Jesus and make him their king. People are going bananas for Jesus. They are excited. He just did something amazing. He just fed a huge crowd of people with a tiny bit of food. And, and John says they wanted to seize Jesus and make him their king. I wonder what happened with the disciples in all of this. Uh, the disciples are kind of sheep-like, and I think they got caught up in the fervor of it. Because the next thing that Matthew records is that Jesus immediately, Matthew uses the word immediately three times in this story. Jesus immediately sends his disciples into the boat across the sea. I don't know exactly why, but I imagine that the disciples kind of got caught up in the let's make Jesus king movement. And it's like, hey, this is a great idea. Yeah, you should be our king. Jesus is like, listen up, disciples, you need to get in the boat now and go away. And then Jesus stands back and he, he I. I'm sorry, I'm purely speculating. But what I think happened is Jesus then began to tame the crowd, calm the crowd, and send them away. And then it says, the next thing Matthew says, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So you got the disciples in the boat going across the Sea of Galilee. They row all night. And we find out that they rowed maybe three to three and a half miles. Because, as Matthew says, they were buffeted by the waves. There was a a strong wind against them. There were strong waves coming against the boat. These are seasoned fishermen. They haven't gotten very far. Matthew says that it was the fourth watch of the night. On the Roman clock, the fourth watch takes place between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So sometime, 3 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning, this is uh, well after they've been rowing all night. 
Matthew says that Jesus comes walking to them on the water. He has prayed all night long. Had intimate conversation with his heavenly father. And then he walks on the water to the disciples. I imagine that he gets pretty close to the boat because it says the disciples see him. Now, he can't be all that close because they don't recognize him. But they see him walking on the water out to them and they scream in terror, it's a ghost! Jewish superstition in Jesus' day said that if you saw a spirit, especially at night, it was a sign of impending doom. This is why they scream in terror. This is why they scream out in terror. Because if this is a spirit that they are seeing at night, they're done for. This is a, this is a bad sign. They're terrified. They're freaked out. So Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And then he says, I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. That's the second place where Matthew uses the word immediately. He says, immediately he calmed them. Jesus immediately said to them, do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Immediately. He hears them cry out, it's a ghost. Nope, it's me. Peter. Peter's like my favorite disciple because he's very, very impulsive, very impetuous. He's like, you know, act first, think later. And so he says to Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, in, in the Greek language, there are conditional statements that usually begin with if. And there's different ways of interpreting these conditional statements. One of the ways to interpret this conditional statement, if it's you, uh, is to say, since it's you. In other words, Peter had faith. He believed that it was Jesus. He heard the voice. He recognized the voice and said, since it's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you on the water. That's faith. I mean, that's faith. Not only to everybody else is freaking out in the boat. Peter's like, nope, that's Jesus. And since it's you, Jesus, tell me to come to you on the water. What are the other disciples thinking? What are you, walk on the water? Who do you think you are? Jesus says one word. Come. Peter climbs out on the boat. Now remember, Jesus is probably a little bit of a ways off that the disciples could see him, but they couldn't make out his face. They didn't know exactly who it was. Now, the reason I'm saying he's probably pretty close is because they don't have any street lights. There's no lighted buoys out there. Okay? And so... They can see him, but they can't really make him out. So Peter jumps out of the boat and starts walking on the water out to Jesus. How cool is that? I mean, he's walking on water. I never took a physics class in high school, and I sure didn't take one in college. Um, but there's something I know about buoyancy, and that is people don't walk on water. Uh, in, in May, I was uh, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and I was in the ocean in the Gulf of Mexico down there. And try as I might, I could not walk on the water. I'm probably Peter's size, maybe, you know, kind of a big, burly, strapping man. Who's laughing the loudest? Um, so Peter is defying physics. He is defying 
the laws of physics, the laws of science, and he is walking on the water out to Jesus. He must get pretty close because the third time that Matthew uses the word immediately is when Peter sees the wind and the waves and begins to sink. And Matthew says that Jesus took his hand immediately and reached out and caught him immediately. So this is what I'm thinking. Peter gets out of the boat. He's a little way, bit of a ways from Jesus, and he's walking to him, keeping his eyes on him like, I'm, I'm walking on water. I'm, I'm walking on the I'm walking on the water. But he's got his eyes focused on Jesus, and then something distracts him. Again, this is a pretty powerful storm that they're in the midst of in that they've only been able to row three, three and a half miles. The wind and the waves and everything going on. And this, you know, there's like probably sea mist hitting him in the face and stuff. And there's wind. And all of a sudden he realizes I'm in the midst of a storm here. And he begins to sink. All of a sudden gravity takes over. And I remember being in Sunday school as a kid in the flannel graph. Everybody remember the flannel graph? And there was like a, a little thing of, of Peter sinking, you know, and Peter didn't sink very fast in the flannel graph. I don't think it happened that way. And when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and saw the wind and the waves, it was like, whoa! You ever ridden a roller coaster that, you know, just drops? I got a feeling that that's kind of what happened, is that Peter went, whoa! Starts to sink. Jesus reaches out and grabs him. Immediately. Now, where is Jesus in relation to Peter? Where is Peter in relation to Jesus? He's right next to him. He's right there. You see, Peter didn't like take his eyes off of Jesus when he was way over there. He didn't take his eyes off of Jesus when he was far away from him. He took his eyes off of Jesus when he was right next to him. Oh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. <laughs> Because he immediately, it's, it doesn't say that he immediately ran over to him and, and grabbed him and pulled. He started to sink like that. Jesus reaches out and grabs him. He's right there next to him. Four actions. Four actions of Peter that I want to talk about for the balance of our time. The first, and these you'll find these on your outline in the, in the bulletin, your handy-dandy outline. The first is seeing Jesus in the storm. Seeing Jesus in the storm. Peter's the only one who can see him. I mean, the others see him, but Peter sees who it is. He can see Jesus in the midst of the wind and the waves. He sees Jesus in the storm. What about you? When you're going through the storms of life, when the winds and the waves of life are beating you and pounding against you, can you see Jesus in the midst of the storm? Can you see Jesus in the midst of the rain, in the midst of the waves? Or do you see circumstances instead of a Savior? Do you see the trials and the tribulations, or do you see the teacher? Do you see the wind and the waves, or the one who is walking on the waves? When you're in the midst of the storm, do you see the storm, or do you see Jesus? Peter saw Jesus. Peter in the midst of the storm, had enough faith to say, it's you. He recognized Jesus even in the midst of the storm. 
See, the disciples weren't making much progress. They were probably frustrated and tired and exhausted. It's three, three and a half miles of rowing against wind and waves. And all they can see are the wind and the waves. All they can see is an apparition, maybe a ghost. But Peter sees Jesus. What about you? When you're going in the midst of the storms of life, when you are really, the wind and the waves are pounding against you, can you see Jesus? Second, the second blank on your outline, walking to Jesus. See, that's what Peter did. He walked to Jesus. The others screamed in terror. They freaked out. Peter, though, had faith. He had such great faith in Jesus to be able to do anything, to to be the God of the impossible, literally the God of the impossible, because as far as I understand, it's impossible for a man to walk on water unless he's walking with Jesus. And he walks out to Jesus on the waves. Again, that doesn't make much sense. But his faith was great at this point. You see, Peter, Peter wasn't able to do it on his own. Peter was doing what he saw Jesus doing. Peter was doing what he saw Jesus doing. What do you see Jesus doing? Where is Jesus walking in your life? Where is Jesus walking with you? Are you going, do you have enough faith to say, I will walk with you, Jesus. I will go wherever you go. I will do what you want me to do. I want to do what you are doing. I believe that Jesus is in the business of changing lives, of transforming lives, of transforming hearts, of changing destinies. Will you walk with him? Will you walk to him? Will you in faith say, Jesus, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. What kind of a leap is Jesus asking of you? What kind of leap is God asking you to make? What kind of leap of faith do you need to take? Part of making a leap, part of taking a leap of faith is to get out of the safety and the security and the comfort of the boat. The boat is safe. It may be, we may not have gotten very far in it, but it sure is a lot safer than being out on them wind, uh, being out on them waves. It's a lot safer than being in the wind. It's a huge risk to get out of the boat. And say, God, I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do. You want me to tell my coworker about Jesus? I'm going to get out of this boat and I'm going to go do it. You want me to, you want me to make a sacrifice to help somebody else? That's not very comfortable, but I'm going to do it. One of the things that we learn from Jesus is that there is no comfort on the cross. And when he asks us to take up that cross on a daily basis, there, it's not very comfortable. It's not very safe. In fact, it'll cost you everything. It will cost you everything. To be a fully devoted, sold-out follower of Jesus Christ will cost you everything. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? If you are willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus, he is willing to give you everything that is worth sacrificing for. Eternal life, joy, peace, comfort in the midst of the storm. The sacrifice is worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. So, 
get out of the safety and the comfort of the boat and take a daring faith adventure. We went on our college retreat two weeks ago, and uh, Brandon and I were up on top of the pontoon. It's a double-decker pontoon, and we're up on the pontoon, and it's about probably 12 feet off the ground. And Brandon's like, you're going to jump? I got a kid, man. I got stuff to live for. a long way down. That's like 10 to 12 feet. You don't realize how far 10 to 12 feet is until you are in the middle of it, <laughs> until you are in the air, and you let out a little scream, ah, 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 am I ever going to hit this water? Ah! I wonder how Peter felt when he jumped off the boat, when he left the safety and the security of the boat. I jumped like six times. It was awesome. Because it's fun. Jumping out of the boat is fun. Sitting on the boat, soaking up the rays, is not as much fun as jumping out of the boat, getting in the water. Leave the safety and the security and the comfort of the boat and jump into the fun and adventure of living with Jesus. Of going where he goes, of doing what he does. Get out of the boat and start living A spiritual adventure of a lifetime. So many want the security and the safety and the comfort of the boat. But that's not where Jesus is. Where's Jesus? He's out on the sea. Leave the safety and security for an adventure on the waves. Third, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. This is where Peter went wrong. And like I said, he didn't take his eyes off of Jesus when he hit the water. He took his eyes on Jesus when he got close, took his eyes off Jesus when he got close to him, close enough to reach out and grab. Maybe he got a little too comfortable on the waves. Maybe he got a little too familiar with the with the water beneath his feet. Or maybe he got scared. He just got scared. Peter was walking on the water. He's like, I got this. This is awesome. And he's just walking to Jesus. And then it all clicked. I am walking on the water. And the wind and the waves crashed around him. And and he took his eyes off Jesus. And he looks around and sinks. And Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. He immediately reaches out and catches him. The Greek word for immediately is the word now. Jesus didn't look at him and go, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? You were doing it. Everything was going fine. No, he sinks. Jesus now, now brings him back up. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus for just a moment. He got distracted. He got distracted by the things around him. And he started to sink. And Jesus immediately reaches out and catches him. What I get from this, what what I think about this is that when I get distracted by the things of this world, 
When I get distracted by, it may be trials, it may be tribulations, it could be stuff, it could be uh, busyness. When I get distracted by the things of this world and I take my eyes off of Jesus, that's when I begin to sink. That's when life begins to overwhelm me. That's when the storms really start to pick up. And I realize I am in the midst of a storm here. Because I took my eyes off of Jesus and I'm not watching him anymore. And I'm looking at all the stuff of life around me. And then I realize I'm in trouble. I am sinking and sinking fast. And what does Jesus do? When I turn to him, when I cry out, help me. He reaches out and he catches me. And he doesn't chide me. He doesn't smite me. He doesn't get angry with me. He's not so disappointed, Sean, honestly. How's that water taste? Yeah. Uh, Almost to your nose. Okay, I think I can get you now. He immediately reaches out and says, I'm here for you. I got you. I'm not going to let you sink. I'm not going to let you drown. I will not let you drown. He will not let you drown. When you are caught in it, when you are sinking in it, he will reach out and grab you and pull you back up. And he will save you and he will rescue you. And let's face it, there's a lot of times in life that we need to be rescued. We take our eyes off of him and we need to be saved and we need to be rescued. Know that he will immediately reach out and he will immediately rescue you. Number four, last one. Climbing in the boat with Jesus. You have little faith, why did you doubt? That's what he says. You have little faith, why did you doubt? It was his doubts that caused him to sink. He got distracted by the things around him and it started to make him doubt. He was distracted by the storm and he started to doubt. And Jesus just says, why? Why Why did you doubt? You were doing it. You were making it. I don't think he yelled at him. I don't think he screamed at him. I don't think he went, Peter, Peter, Peter. What are we going to do with you? He just says, you have little faith. Why? Why? Why did you doubt? And he, they walk to the water. They walk on the water again. He's restored, walks on the water again over to the boat and they climb in the boat together. He doesn't, he doesn't send them away. I'll tell you what, Peter, let me give you a little boost and into the boat you go and I'll, I'll walk on the other side. I'll walk. He gets in the boat with Peter and the other disciples and, he, and the winds immediately die down. The storm calms when Jesus gets in the boat with them. Everyone is safe again, safe with Jesus. There's still waters, no more storm. Don't run away from Jesus. You may feel ashamed. Why did I doubt? Why did I, why did I, why did I doubt? What's wrong with me? I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years. Why can't I get this right? Why can't I, why can't I do this right? He wants nothing to do with me. Oh, just, I'm just going to, I, Jesus says, let's go in the boat together. Let's go together. He's not ashamed of you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not angry with you. He loves you so very much. He loves you so much that he took another walk. He took a walk for you and he took a walk for me. With a heavy cross on his back, he walked to Calvary. He walked to the hill of the skull, and he died on the cross for us. That's the kind of love that he has for you. That's the kind of sacrificial love that Jesus has for us.
And his invitation is to walk on water. John Ortberg wrote a book called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. There's a lot of wisdom in that. We've got to get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. I wonder how this story changed Peter's life. What did the other disciples say to him sometime in the future? Maybe six months later, they're all sitting around talking. And they're just kind of pulling aside. Go, what was that like? How did the water feel? Was it cold? What was that like? Or, or maybe Jesus used it as an object lesson. Some later, sometime later, they're all walking together. And, and he'll say, you remember when Peter walked in the water? That's the kind of faith that, that you got to have. Maybe Peter and John are sitting in jail in, in the book of Acts. And John says, you know, they're sitting there just in prison. John's making small talk with Peter and says, what was that like? You remember that time when you walked on water? Yeah, I think God will get us through this too. Jesus grabbed you immediately and yeah, I think we'll get through this as well. There's nothing our God can't do. It just makes me wonder. So what boat of safety is Jesus calling you out of today? What place of comfort, what comfort zone is Jesus calling you out of? Are you ready to walk on water? Are you ready to put your faith and trust in him, to take a walk of faith? It may be frightening, but it's exhilarating. To give your life to Christ and say, God, I want to go where you go. I want to do what you would have me do. I want to take an adventure of faith. I want to walk on water. Step number one is you got to get out of the boat. You got to jump out of the boat. You got to take a leap of faith. Are you ready to take that leap? What is God calling you to do? What boat do you need to climb out of so you can walk on water?